So last Sunday, I shared about the Sermon on the Amount uh, to talk about the amount we're, we're called to give in our offerings with the church. And we talked about the tithe, the biblical standard of offering 10% of your income to God through the church. But we also learned that God doesn't just, God doesn't want your money, really. God wants your heart. He wants your heart, all of you. And like the widow who gave all that she had, we are called to give all that we are and all that we have to the Lord. So if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and take a look at it. You can go to our website, pleasantgrove.cc. It's a great website with a lot of resources to help you in your walk of faith. So you can go there and scroll down to the bottom and you'll find an archive with all of the past messages from the church. So if you ever missed something, you can go there to see it. Or if you heard something, you thought, well, I have a friend that would really benefit from hearing that. You can share that with them as well. But today, I want to talk with you about the altar of the church. Because the altar is an important place in the life of our faith, in the life of our worship space. The altar is a place where we bring the gifts we offer to the Lord. And how we approach the altar can alter your life and maybe even your eternity. So it's important. But have we ever stopped to consider what the altar really is? Have we ever considered how placing our gifts upon the altar affects our lives. An altar is a raised area in, or a table in a house of worship where people can honor God with their offerings. It is a prominent uh, place in the Bible, um, often called God's table, a sacred place for sacrifices and gifts to be offered up to God. Sometimes, Altars were very simple structures in the Old Testament. Could just be a pile of rocks that were stacked upon one another to make a raised platform or a table where the sacrifice would be burnt. Other times, altars were elaborate or ornate carved works of masonry art. Whether crude or elaborate, the most important thing is that these altars were specifically dedicated to the worship of God. They were places of sacrifice where gifts were offered to the Creator. These altars offered the opportunity also to commune with the divine, to be in the presence of God. And for him to come and be in the presence of his people, we would be together. If you've ever been to a barbecue and you've smelled the mouth-watering smell that, that comes off of that grill as it cooks a steak or a hamburger, you know something of what it would be like, what it might smell like to make a sacrifice to God on the altar. The altar was a place where food was cooked and where God came to enjoy symbolically a meal with his people. 
There's something special and sacred and intimate about eating with other people, right? Have you ever been over to a friend's house to, to share dinner together or to have a cookout? And it can be a wonderful thing. But if you've got hang-ups about food, it can be a, a kind of a scary thing too. I mean, do they, are they clean when they cook their food? Are they safe? Did they cook the meat well enough? Or did they overcook the meat? Maybe you like your steaks to be rare. And so you have to come together. It's a very intimate thing, right? To share a meal with someone. We sort of, sort of take it for granted on the surface until you actually have to sit down at the table with them. And this is symbolically what we're doing or what they were doing in the Old Testament as they offered their sacrifice to the Lord over the fire. The very first time an altar is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. It's right at the end of the story of God saving Noah. Noah and the ark. You remember that story? And you remember what Noah took on to the ark with him? He took his family and what else? Animals, two of every kind, male and female. And we forget also that he also took, in addition to a male and female of every animal that the Lord was going to save during the flood. He also took other animals that were specifically meant for sacrifice. And we find out why at the end of the story. After the flood waters receded, Noah and his family, all of the animals came off of the ark. And Noah built an altar. And he thanked God for saving them by sacrificing on the altar. But he didn't sacrifice the, the male and female. He sacrificed the special sacrificial animals that he brought along. And you imagine that though. This is the very first time. Both it is, There's two things about this. The first time that we hear of human beings building an offering. I mean building an altar. But it's also the first time that, we, that, that God says that people can eat meat. And now imagine that the... And Noah and his family have been on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Plus, I think it was 120 days that it took for the waters to recede. And they've been taking care of these animals that entire time. It's a very intimate thing. They carry in this ark the potential future of the world. This is the only animals that are left. And the first thing that they do when they come off the boat is they sacrifice some of them. Do you know how precious? Any animal's life is precious. But these are the only animals in the world. And some of them have been offered to God to thank Him for caring for them while they were on the ark. It is a very special and sacred and expensive moment. Later in Genesis, we read about a man named Abraham who left his homeland in the land of Ur and he moved to the promised land. And as he is coming to this place that God has promised to give him, this promised land that will be his new home, he begins to build altars along the way. Several times he builds altars and sacrifices to honor and worship God. 
But one particular story is very disturbing because Abraham is a man who's not had any children, but God promises him he will, be a, he will have a son. And when Abraham is a very old man and when his wife Sarah is a very old woman, miraculously somehow they have a child named Isaac. And then God does something very disturbing. He says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, to Mount Moriah. I want you to build an offering. And I want you to sacrifice your son there to me. And we read this and we are appalled by it. But Abraham is obedient. He travels to the mountain and he builds an altar and he ties up his son and he lays him on top of the altar. And just as Abraham's knife is poised to sacrifice his son, God stops Abraham. He says, stop. And lo and behold, and a ram is caught in a bush with his horns tangled in the bush. And Abraham, God tells Abraham to sacrifice the ram instead of his son. It's a strange story. And we don't have time to go into it all today. But one thing you can gather from that is how it drives home the nature of what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is something we feel deeply. A true sacrifice is we we give something to God that is precious to us. Not our leftovers. Not some things that we had lying around that we didn't need anymore. A sacrifice cost us something. It's like when Abraham put his son on the altar. Our scripture that I want to read to you today is from Romans in the New Testament, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the New Testament, we are called to a new form of sacrifice. Christians no longer practice animal sacrifice. The blood of lambs and goats and bulls cannot sufficiently cleanse our sins. They cannot atone for us so that we can come before God without any hindrance, without anything between us and Him. These religious sacrifices from the Old Testament, these animal sacrifices, were only temporary means that allowed people to commune with God. However, God had a better plan. God would atone for the whole world's sin with one perfect, holy, precious, indescribably expensive sacrifice. John 3.16 
says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus came down from heaven and he took the form of a human being. He lived a sinless and perfect life. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And though Jesus was innocent, he willingly gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now people would not be willing to die. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But the scripture tells us, But God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ's sacrifice washes away our sins forever. All our past sin, all our future sins too. And now we have the incredible privilege of coming and communing with God at all times. Sin no longer separates us from God if we follow Christ as Lord. We have an altar in our church. It's right down here, right in the center of our worship space. Because the altar, it's in the center because the altar is the center of our identity. It's who we are as Christians. God's people. And on the altar, we have a few important symbols that we often have placed upon the altar. First of all, there's the cross that is on the altar. Isn't that interesting? The altar has always been the place where human beings came to make a sacrifice to God. But the cross shows us that the God of the universe sacrificed himself for us. Isn't that amazing? And his sacrifice atones It washes us clean so that we can come before God and there's nothing between us and Him. And on the altar, we usually have candles that we light at the beginning of the service. They represent the light of Christ. The light of Christ that shows us the way, that helps us to truly see and that reminds us that we too When we follow Christ, His light shines in us to point everyone to the God we serve. And on the altar, we often have the Bible, God's holy word, that tells us who is this God. 
that shares with us exactly what Jesus has done, that gives us the details of how God wants us to live and who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and our mission to follow Christ and make disciples so that more and more people come to be saved by Him and to live for Him. The Bible is there because our faith is not just something we feel in our heart. It is something that we care deeply about, but it's also something we understand with our mind. And without this scripture, and without the sacrifices of thousands of people who made this scripture possible to be preserved down through the ages and to be put into language that we could understand, where would we be today? And on the altar, we, today we have the, the gift for our Operation Mercy Drops recipient. Something very simple. A few words. This one says, you are in my thoughts and prayers. Just a few words. But these few words and your words as you sign it become a prayer that is placed upon the altar, altar and lifted to the Lord on behalf of this person that we have shared this extravagant gift with. A drop of mercy because God showers us all with mercy. And we don't deserve it. And whether or not Greg deserves it doesn't matter. It's a drop from the overabundance of mercy that God has poured out on all of us. And on this altar, we often have our offering plate into which we deposit our gifts to the church, our tithes and offerings, to help with the mission of the church and the mission of God to share the good news of Christ all over the world. It's a symbol God is so deserving. God deserves so much more than just our 10% that we put there. That 10% is just a symbol that we are placing our heart on the altar. We are climbing up on the altar and laying our life upon it. Just as Christ laid his life upon the cross for us. Just as Isaac was laid upon the altar, just as Christ was laid upon the cross, we willingly lay our whole lives upon the altar of Christ. We give ourselves and our lives to God. The altar is a place of sacrifice where we give our very best, where we give until it hurts. That's the definition of sacrifice. 
The altar is where Abraham laid his son. It's where God gave us his son. The altar is where we define our faith and our identity. As we offer our gifts to God upon this altar, we proclaim, this is who I am. It's how I put my money where my mouth is. The altar is where we dedicate our time and we say, this is what I live for. And this is what I'm willing to die for. And so the scripture says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. As we close today, we're going to do a special, something special. I want to invite you to come, each one of you. Lay your hand upon the corner of the altar and rededicate your life to be a living sacrifice to God, the kind He will find acceptable. Come down the center aisle. Touch the altar. And then spend some time in prayer, if you would like, in the front at the prayer rail before you return to your seats by the outside aisle. Come. Give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Oh.